you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. said that, I smiled real big because I didn't know if it had been me or not. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 27, I like what I feel in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm glad I came to church today. Put my glasses on and they only got bigger. The bigger the font gets and the, le- the less I can see it. So I don't know what happened, but anyways, Matthew chapter 27. Verse number 50. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he what? Yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Everybody say, from the top to the bottom. And what? The earth did quake, and the rocks rent, or they broke apart. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. How would you like to be in that day? Be sitting there, and Grandma and Grandpa who had been gone for 10, 15 years come walking in your house. But the graves opened, and the saints which had slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. I want to preach to you for just the next little while on this subject, a divine shift, a divine shift. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands to heaven? And would you ask God just to anoint? Would you do that? Ask God to anoint his messenger right now. God, we need you. 
Lord, we desire you. God, we feel your presence in this place. Now we ask that you would speak to us through your word, that you would, Lord, let it permeate our hearts and our minds, open our minds. God, open our ears, open our hearts to receive what you have to say to your people, and we'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Now, before you're seated, clap your hands to the Lord one more time. It was on December 16, 1811, in New Madrid, Missouri, that a shift in the tectonic plates of the New Madrid seismic zone began to shift, which set into motion a series of earthquakes that to this day are the strongest ever recorded in North America, east of the Rocky Mountains. It was 2.15 a.m. on December 15th that a Somewhere between a 7.2 and an 8.1 magnitude earthquake forever changed the landscape of New Madrid, Missouri, and the surrounding area. As if this terrible event wasn't enough, three aftershocks ranging from 6.0 to 7.0 in magnitude would follow within the next 48 hours. So powerful was this shift that the ground shaking was felt as far away as the Gulf Coast to the south and Canada to the north. It was reported that the shaking even rang church bells in Boston, Massachusetts, and it brought down chimneys in Cincinnati, Ohio. The effects of this dreadful earthquake could be felt from more than 1,000 miles away from the epicenter, all because there was a shift in the tectonic plates of the New Madrid fault line. Somewhere deep under the surface, one plate that sat on top of another shifted and the one elevated while the other one went down. They simply traded places with one another, but the effects were so devastating. The shift impacted the region so much that for three days, it is said that the current of the mighty Mississippi River actually flowed in reverse. And after returning to its normal direction, the river's flow broadened to areas that it had never, ever reached before. All because there is a shift. There was a shift. And when there is a shift, let me tell you this morning that it will change directions. And it will always break things open that had before been hardened. I have come today with the word of the Lord to this church, and that is that there is a divine shift that has taken place in this region and in our world. Hear me today. It is not the, it is not in the political landscape, and it's not in the politician that is going to bring a divine shift. It's not the economy that's going to bring a divine shift. It's not industry or population that is going to bring about a divine shift. But there is only one thing that can bring about a divine shift, and that is when the people of God humble themselves. For he said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. There is ever going, there is ever going 
to be a divine shift in our world. It's going to come when the church turns from self-serving agendas and turns our face to God and seeks Him. Calvary was, was such because it was the fulfillment of God's plan. You will find that all the way from the Garden of Eden, that when man sinned, that God had to kill a lamb. It took, it, it, he took of a lamb individually for Adam and for Eve, one animal per individual, because something had to die because of their mistake. You will find even in the, the Levitical law that when when they were coming out of Egypt, that there was a lamb per household. But on the Day of Atonement, the law stated that a lamb would be slain for a nation, one lamb for an entire nation. But when you begin to study about Jesus Christ, who John the Baptist declared to be the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world, not just for an individual, not just of a household, not just of a nation, but the blood of the Lamb was so powerful that it would once and for all remove the sin of the entire world. So don't judge me this morning and, and don't look at me sideways ways, uh, if I begin to get a little excited and I get to begin to sing a little bit about there's power in the blood, there's power, would you be free from your burden of sin, there is wonderful power in the blood, I sing about it, I get excited about it because if it had not been for the blood, I wouldn't be where I am today, if it wouldn't be for the blood, I wouldn't have what I have today, but I want to tell somebody in this building that there's still enough power in the blood to save a soul. There's still enough power in the blood to break the chains of addiction. There is still power in the blood to heal your body and your mind. There is wonderful power in the blood. If you believe that, clap your hands. a whipping post and put stripes on his back that the Bible said would be for our healing. His blood had been running down not only from his brow as they put the crown of thorns on his head, but his, his blood also began to run down his face and over his eyes. And it was at that moment for the very first time that Jesus saw the crowd of people through his own blood. He was looking through the blood at the people as they mockingly crowned him king of the Jews. He had to walk up Golgotha's hill as Simon carried his cross. All the while, he left a blood trail that led all the way up to Calvary where they eventually nailed him to the old rugged cross. And when they nailed his hands and his feet to that cross, they stood that cross up and the Lamb of God, and the Lamb of God that was attached to it, and they dropped the base of that cross, no doubt, into a pre-dug hole that would hold the cross. 
cross up uh, upright to ensure Jesus' ultimate suffocation. And at the, the base of that cross, slammed into the bottom of that hole, its jarring effect shook him, and no doubt it flung blood off of him, and blood that would have covered his face. It was blood that would have covered his now destroyed back. It was the blood that would have ran down his bare legs, dripping onto the ground around the cross. But nothing, here's what I want you to understand, but nothing had happened because of the blood dripping. Nothing had happened because of the blood dripping off of his feet, snow soaking into the soil from the whipping post to Calvary. Nothing seemingly happened. It seemed as though it was of no effect yet. But I've come to preach to this church this morning and tell you that the Bible says that as he hung on that cross and his lungs expelled that final breath in his earthly life, that's when he told Pilate back before, he said, you don't take my life, but I give my life willingly. you got to understand that he could have come down off that cross at any moment that he wanted to. But the scripture says in Hebrews 12, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I've come to preach to you about Calvary this morning. He didn't have to die, but he died. He could have come down from the cross at any time that he wanted to, but there was something that he was looking forward to. He was looking into the future and he saw you and he saw me and it kept him on the cross. He shed his blood. It ran down his body. I know there's something that he was looking forward to. And when he took his last breath, when he died, when his heart would no more beat again, The temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. What does that mean for you and me? That simply means that everything that held you from the presence of God, the barrier that was between you and the miraculous, the barrier that was between humanity and divinity, everything that separated your family from a breakthrough, that thing that separated your marriage from a breakthrough, that thing that separated you from being delivered from addiction, from lust, from chaos, and from confusion. When he died, that separation was taken.
opportunity to go into the presence of the Lord for ourselves here. I've come to tell you this morning that whatever it is that has separated you, God has removed it from your life. Whatever it is that you have allowed to stand between you and God, God is saying on this Sunday morning, I am removing that once and for all. And you can come to me freely. You can come to me freely without reservation. It said that the earth did quake. When he died, the earth began to tremble. The earth began to respond to what happened that day. It was the earth first that began to shake at the shifting of the death of the cross. When he died, something began to move. Something began to break. Something began to change because there was power in the death of the body of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just his blood being shed, but it was his ultimate death. But something happened when the body of Christ. man to ever live up to. When he died, that perfect blood of the sacrifice was empowered. And the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We don't preach about it a lot. People talk about its goriness. People talk about how unpleasant it is to hear about it. But you got to understand, if there is no blood, there is no hope. If there is no blood, there is no salvation. Come on, somebody. If there is no blood, there is no eternal life. I thank God for His blood. I thank God that He shed His blood on an old rugged cross for you and for me. what you've said, your actions that you have committed, they don't matter. There is hope for a new beginning because of the blood and the death of Jesus Christ. When he died, the Bible said that 500 dead saints got up out of their graves. It looked hopeless, but his death brought dead things back to life. When the body of Christ dies, dead things come back to life. And I want to preach to you this morning and say that your lost loved one may have been in a situation last night that seemed to be dead, and they seemed to be dead to the things of God. But when the body of Christ dies, that, that, that one who you thought was dead to the things of God suddenly says, I, I think 
just like the prodigal. I think I'll go back to my father's house. That one that you thought would never make their way back again will say, I just feel like I need to go back to the house of God. Anytime that the body of Christ in this house that you prayed for your husband for a long time. There's some parents in this house you prayed for your lost children for a long time. But what I'm telling you right now, that there is a divine shift that is taking place in the atmosphere. Don't you stop praying. Don't you stop believing because it's that belief. It's that faith. It's those prayers that begin to move heaven and cause the divine shift to take place. where we want it, when we want it, what we think is the will of God, but but that is not the will of God for our lives. But there is something that happens when the church begins to pray, not my will, God, but thy will be done. I've come with a word for you this morning, that, and that is that there is something that happens when you go beyond prayer. It's something that happens when you just go beyond what you want and you begin to seek the face of God. It doesn't matter how I want to see it happen. It doesn't matter the timing in which I want it to happen. Judas knew exactly where Jesus was going. But there was something about this time that caused Jesus to press a little further into the garden. What you got to understand is that the name Gethsemane means an oil press. It is a place where olives are crushed. It is a place where oil is pour, is pressed out because of the pressure there is. word flesh and and when the flesh is separated when the flesh is pressed out that's when you get anointing Jesus went to Gethsemane and he prayed he prayed a prayer of not my will God but thine be 
done. Can you imagine as he knelt there in that garden, as he knelt amongst the rocks and he began to pray, he knew what was coming. He knew the pain that he was going to face. He knew the agony. He knew, Brother Jerry, the embarrassment. He knew the ridicule he was going to take. He knew the beating that he was going to take. He knew that they were going to mock him. He knew that they were going to spit in his face. He knew that they were going to cast lots for his clothing. And he's he's kneeling in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying, Father, if you can, do you understand that when we face pressure, that when we face circumstance, when we face adversity, it's real easy for us just to give up and, and wipe our hands clean of it and say, I don't want to face that. But that was not an option for Jesus. It was an option. He could have done it anytime he wanted to. But he knew that if he did not do it, he knew if he did not allow himself to be crucified, Sin would always get the best of you. But Jesus at that garden, he looked, I believe he looked into the future and he saw you and he saw me and he saw our circumstances. He he knew our hopelessness. He knew that we had no chance. And I, I just like to think that that kept him from praying. Oh God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And then suddenly he resigns himself to the cross and he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Come on, somebody in this building needs to pray that kind of prayer today and say, not my will. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what it looks like to me, but God, your will be done. There is no place. There is a place where you go beyond the to give up whatever I need to give up. We must get to a place of total and and utter surrender to the Lord. Whatever that it is that you want to do with me, that's what, God, I want to do. That is what I desire to do. Whatever you want me to give up, God, I will do. I think that God is calling somebody, some people in this place, you haven't completely surrendered. You haven't completely sold out. You're trying to keep one foot in the church. You're trying to keep another outside the church because you just want to go where it feels best. You just want to go. You want to go where your flesh wants to take you. But can I tell you that you've got to get to a place of total surrender to God and say, God, if if I gotta if I gotta if I gotta turn friends away, then I'll turn friends away. If I gotta turn family members away, then that's what I've gotta do. Because the pain of living where I'm at is is far less than the pain of not being in the will of God.
church. We gotta stop. We gotta stop this business where we just come to church for our religious obligation. just me, but I started ordering God around, and, and so I, I began to pray, I'm like, God, I'll just make a way, and, and, and it was one day, and I don't know exactly when it was, it was probably in February, I prayed from September to February, and I wasn't getting an answer, God, what's my life verse, God, open these doors, and just as clear as I am standing here in this pulpit, the word of the Lord came to me, and took me into scripture, and I opened up my Bible to Isaiah 6 and 8, and it said, also, I
that moment and talk about the depths of it. I got desperate and said, God, I'm, I, I'm done trying to figure it out on my own. I'm, I'm done trying to do it on my own. I'm, I'm done trying to make my own way. There, there it, It's not even possible for me, God. So I am going to die. I said that moment that I said, nevertheless, God, not my will, but thine be done. So I, I so forgive me today. I'm not going to stop praying until something breaks. I'm not going to stop fasting until the answer comes. I refuse to stop pushing. I refuse to stop reaching. I have had enough of mediocrity, but I need a divine shift in my life. begin to pray, it will come. Some of the words don't fit. I struggled even saying it today. I'm talking about the guy, I'm the guy that did it. I'm going to take that praise and glory and just make sure that's the Lord. But I come with a word of prophecy in the Holy Ghost this morning to say that there are people who are not here this morning that are coming back because of a divine shift that has taken place. There are prodigals that are getting ready to come to their senses and are coming back home because all oh, because there's a divine shift that is that is about to take place. So you better get ready. You better get things in order because it is going to come to pass. You prayed and you wondered when is it? Is it? But I've come to tell you that it is coming to pass. They are coming home. Come on, if you believe it, clap your hands. Clap your hands. I feel such conviction this morning. There is a shift that has taken place right now. one more service before I made a covenant with the Lord that says nevertheless not my will. I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't play church one more day before I hit my knees at an old-fashioned altar and I poured my heart out to God and said once and for all, I'm done trying to do it on my own. I'm done trying to make my own way. I'm done trying to figure things out on my I'm done hanging on to that thing that is keeping me from I wonder of all over this house if you'd raise your hands right now. I feel such a conviction in this place. Come on, lift your hands, lift your voice right now. 
Come on, that thing that you've been hanging on to, why don't you go ahead and release that? Why don't you go ahead and give it to God? Come on, maybe it's just the control. Maybe it's something that you're desiring. It doesn't matter. Why don't you go ahead and just release that to God? Why don't you go ahead and lay it at his feet? Go ahead and, and just rid yourself of it this morning. had been separated for a space of time. God had used him, brought the drought. We all know the story because the people's hearts were hardened towards the things of God. The spirit of Jezebel was prevailing upon the earth at that time. That is why he shows up in the book of Revelation. Her goal was to destroy the prophets of God. She wanted nothing more. She still would like, that spirit would still like nothing more today for you to compromise your marriage with God. Her goal was to build temples to Baal all over Jerusalem to change the hearts of Jehovah. Now that's a powerful thought. And she did a great job with that until the Bible says that the children of Israel halted you're bad, not because you're evil, has nothing to do with that, but it's because of the influences and the choices and the people who you have allowed to come into your life. And I'll tell you this morning today, with all my heart, I've come with a warning to you this morning to tell you that the way of Jezebel will always lead you to she won't rest until you've been destroyed once and for all. She won't rest until your heart has been hardened to the things of God. It scares me to death, Pastor. I see people that no matter how powerful the move of God is, Pastor, no matter how powerful and convicting that you preach in this pulpit, sit through service after service unmoved and unfazed. Nothing moves them. They never come to the altar. But they get up and they walk out while others run and pour themselves out. Hear me today when I tell you that you can override conviction so sit there unmoved so long that you become desensitized to it. That's why you can leave and watch things that you shouldn't watch. I'm going to get down where we live right now. 
That's why you can leave a church service and go and listen to things you shouldn't listen to. That's why you can get on social media and follow people that you shouldn't follow. That's why you can go places that you shouldn't go and wear things that you shouldn't wear. Because the heart has become hardened because of the influence. Because Jezebel's message is ultimately don't listen to the prophets of Baal. That was the message. Don't listen. She tried to kill the voice of the preacher. Don't you ever hang out with people that try to tell you not to listen to the voices of the prophets. I'm going to say that again. Don't you give voice. Don't you give credence to the voice of a person that would tell you that you don't have to listen to what he's preaching, that says that you don't have to live that way. It's not a, don't you dare allow that voice to come into your life because the moment that you do, Jezebel will destroy you. Stand with me all over this building. people out of your life that say, don't listen to the preacher. Yeah, the spirit of Jezebel trying to send, rather trying to drag your soul to hell. That's exactly what your enemy wants. But you need a preacher in your life. You need a pastor in your life. You need the church in your life. You can't go home and watch watch a, a, a televangelist and just call your living room your church and expect that that person is going to get you to heaven. That person is not concerned about you. That person had never prayed a moment for you. All they're concerned about is that you send your money to them every month. But you got to have a preacher in your life that is going to touch heaven heaven for you. You've got to have a man of God in your life that's going to stand in the gap for you. And I'm way off my notes.
and only one person, one God is going to answer by fire. And when he does, you're going to know that that God is God. I'm here to tell somebody this morning, don't you get caught up in, in an in-between situation. Don't vacillate between two opinions, but you got to make up in your mind, i got to know who God is. It's the God who answers. It's the God that makes a way where there seems to be no way. It's the God that saves where there's no hope. So I'm preaching to the one I don't know who you are this morning, but I know that you're in here. I'm talking to you this morning and letting you know that God is wanting to bring a divine shift in your life. Things have been desolate. Things have been dead. Things are drying up all around you, and you're caught somewhere in this in-between. But I'm telling you today that today is the day that God is going to answer by fire. Today is the day that God is going to deliver. Today is the day that God's going to begin to shift. You ought not wait one more moment, but you ought to step out in the aisle. If you need God to answer today, if you need God to make a way in your life today, you ought to run to this altar. You ought to come to this place and say, maybe you've been trying to do it on your own. You've been trying to make your own way and you failing everywhere that you turn. You need to come to this altar and say, God, nevertheless, not my will. To do whatever you want me. To do whatever you want me. Come on, this is beautiful this morning. Keep coming. Press in as close as you can. Come as close as you can. There's a breakthrough coming. There's deliverance coming. Today's your day. Come on, go ahead and die out to yourself and say, God, whatever it is that you want. God, you've been calling me. You've been drawing me. I've got, I, I pushed you away, but not today, God. I've got to have you today, God. addiction to God. Go ahead and give that habit to God. Go ahead and give that hang up. Give that pain to God and say, God, whatever it is you want to
ears blow this morning. Tell him exactly what you need him to do. God, I can't do it on my own. lift our hands all over the room right now and thank God for his word that we have heard today. Oh, Lord, we thank you today, God. We thank you today, Lord. Thank the Lord. I don't want to try to re-preach what Brother Danny just preached. Before the tectonic plates ever move, there is first pressure. That pressure causes force. That's the process by which the movement ever happens. Sometimes you wonder about the pressure in your life. You wonder about why you are going through what you go through and the pressure and the stress. Sometimes it feels overwhelming. It feels like an overwhelming force that is pushing you and driving you and it may be that God is allowing those things in your life because he's waiting for there to be a movement that's the shift it doesn't just happen but it happens on the heels of the pressure and the force and the stress that finally something breaks free and that's what can happen right here in these altars that's what can happen in prayer, is there can be a freedom. We break free. That's when the adjustment happens. That's when the movement happens. When the movement happens, that's when the stress begins to dissipate. The pressure lowers. Everything lowers because the movement makes room for what God is wanting to do in our lives. But it doesn't happen without your decision. You and I have to make the decision, yes, I I'm not going to continue to just live in this cycle of stress and pressure and chaos and turmoil, but I'm going to make a decision. And when you take that decision, when you make that decision and take that first step, I want to tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a shift that begins to happen in your life. Sometimes it happens instantaneously, but sometimes it's over a process called time. And when it happens, all of a sudden, you're going to look back where you've been and say, thank God, I don't know how I got here, but I know I'm not where I was. There's been a healing that's happened. There's been a wholeness that has happened. Oh, you ought to thank God this morning. Somebody's making that decision. I'm going to walk out of here and never be the same. I'm going to change. I'm, going to, I'm making the decision today, and I'm going to act on it now. God is in the house. Lift your hands all over the room one more time. 
God, I pray with every person with a lifted hand in this house right now. God, that has been under the stress and the pressure, I pray now, Lord, that as they make the decision, the commitment that they have made by moving forward this morning, God, that this is the first step. And, Lord, they go home to make decisions in their home, decisions in their relationships, decisions in their family, decisions with their kids, decisions with their friends. And, Lord, there's going to be a shift that happens. And, Lord, you're going to reveal to them the fullness of your glory and your joy is going to be manifest once again in their life. Where there was sorrow, it's going to be replaced with joy. Where there was sadness, there's going to be gladness. Lord, you're going to begin to turn some things around in their life. Wholeness is going to...